fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I am so glad that I do not drink a lot of coffee. Aren't you? I already talk fast enough on this program. People say I talk way too fast sometimes on the radio show. That's okay. But I'm glad I do not drink a whole lot of coffee because if I did, I would be absolutely livid with the fact that Starbucks is now seeing over 100 stores have their employees strike against the company. The woke, progressive left company of Starbucks is seeing their unionized workers strike. Imagine, if you will, a woke company trying to hire on left-wing progressive hacks, and they're still not happy enough, so they have to unionize and strike because they're not getting enough benefits for the already high, uh, overly-priced coffee that you get at Starbucks. Welcome into the program. What a show we have lined up for you today. It's going to be a big one today. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. As always, your Millennial General reporting for duty. Obviously, a lot of big news and a lot of audio. I don't know how to play all the audio clips that I have on the show today, but by golly, we will try Bottom of the hour, Mark Burrell. He is the author of his latest book, Rediscovering the American Covenant, the roadmap to restore America as we talk about how to bring the country back to our founding principles, which to the left side of the aisle is a very triggering comment to be made. Because the original founding principles of this nation are not progressive left-wing socialism. It is you do your own thing, baby, and it is equal opportunity for all to have the opportunity to succeed, but not an equal outcome at the end of the day. So we'll talk with him about that. How do we bring us back to our founding principles or are we too far gone? And is that something that we have to accept in this nation as we move forward in the greatest nation of the entire uh, world? All right. We got a lot to to get to today. We have obviously some transition of power going on in Washington, D.C., as there were a lot of speeches that were made today in our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? And I have to admit, regardless of how the election came about, obviously we could have seen some big uh, victories. And we've talked about over the last few days, not only just gaining the House, but getting a larger uh, margin in the House of Representatives, being able to get a majority in the U.S. Senate as well, being able to get some of the governorships in the, across the nation. That we, we could have done a lot better in the, in the election. However, I will say there is a bright side to this. And the bright side to what happened in the election is that not only did we see a transition of power in the House of Representatives where Nancy Pelosi will no longer be Speaker of the House, but the greatest, sweetest words I could have heard at all today was this. There's no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. And I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing 
to shoulder this awesome responsibility. Do you understand the repercussions of what just happened here? She's not seeking leadership within the Democratic caucus, meaning she's not just going to be Speaker of the House anymore. She is no longer going to be in an authoritative position under the Democrat caucus at all. Not the House Minority Leader. Not any type of whip position. She is working on her way out. Ladies and gentlemen, the biggest, sweetest victory we could have had this election is seeing Nancy Pelosi end her term in a couple years, probably retire from the House of Representatives altogether. Nancy Pelosi is done. Finito. Over. This is... This is probably the sweetest news that we could have heard the entire time. Now, her speech was completely absurd the whole time. She... Made some jabs at Trump. She talked about unity. I love how someone who is probably the most divisive character in Washington, D.C., who hates Republicans with an absolute passion, who's a crazy left-wing socialist from California and from San Francisco and is used and abused the system for her advantage. I love how she can sit there and talk about unity, which she did during her speech on the floor earlier today. Mommy and Daddy taught us through their example that public service is a noble calling and that we all have a responsibility to help others. In our family, my brother Tommy then became mayor of Baltimore also. But it's been my privilege to play a part in forging extraordinary progress for the American people. I have enjoyed working with three presidents, achieving historic investments in clean energy (laughs) with President George Bush. Transformative health care reform with President Barack Obama. And forging, and forging the future from infrastructure to health care to climate action with President Joe Biden. I think she missed a president within there. Let's see, we had George W. Bush, we had Barack Obama, and then we had Joe Biden. She didn't even mention Donald Trump in the speech. While she talked about unity, she talked about how we fought off against the uh, insurrections of the country. We defended democracy. The people came out and spoke in this nation, and they spoke about how great this country is. And we ended up uh, securing our elections and what people really wanted. And that's not the way that we do things with an insurrection, because we are about unity. We're about coming together and finding solutions together. Last week, the American people spoke and their voices were raised in defense of liberty of the rule of law and of democracy itself with these elections the people stood in the breach and repelled the assault on democracy they resoundedly rejected violence and insurrection and in doing so gave proof through the night that our flag was still there She made a lot of constitutional references in that speech. Is it just me? Is she drunk or does she have a lisp? Now, I'm not criticizing how people speak. Obviously, I stutter all the time on this program. I speak way too fast for some listeners on the radio program. I get it. I mean, you can you get nervous. You get jittery. You talk way too fast, which I'm not nervous or anything. I just That's just the way my brain works. I have to talk fast or else I lose track of what I'm thinking about because my brain moves way too fast for me. Sometimes I have to just slow myself down. But does she have a lisp or is she drunk? She giggled half the time throughout it as well as people are sitting there clapping. She sit there and just giggle to herself. It's very strange. But she's out. She's done. She's not the speaker any longer. And she's not even going to be looking to become 
or to have a leadership position in the Democrat caucus any longer. So now the question is, who's going to take up that reign? Who's going to do it? Because the Democrats have been so closed off in their caucus, they haven't allowed the new generation to come up and actually take over issues in the Democrat caucus. They haven't allowed them. AOC and the radicals that are on that side of the aisle, they're really the young crowd that's trying to come up, and they've shunned them. In fact, if you remember, most of the Bernie Sanders socialist supporters in the presidential caucuses during the primaries in the last two presidential races were shut out with a big, beautiful fence and a big, beautiful wall that kept them out because we didn't want them anywhere near. The big, beautiful gates and the big, beautiful wall. They built a fence around the DNC conventions and kept out the socialist Democrat Bernie Sanders supporters from them because they didn't want them to be part of that caucus. That resulted in the revolt of many like AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and whoever else is part of that crazy B-Squad. They're the ones that rose up because of the Democrat Party trying to shun them and they don't want any part of them. They didn't even bring up any rational ones. If you remember the Kennedy that was in the East Coast, I don't remember his name. He did one of the State of the Union rebuttals against Trump during his four years. And that was the last we heard from him. And you would think, well, a young kid, he was good looking. He was a Kennedy. So obviously he had power. He had influence. He had money. He would be the next rising star of the Democrat Party. You never heard a word from that guy either after that State of the Union rebuttal from that Kennedy. Then you had the rising stars the Democrats tried to bring up. That was like Stacey Abrams. That was Gavin Newsom, I guess, to a degree. I guess he's still there, but no one's talking about him. Beto O'Rourke out of uh, Texas. Those guys failed miserably. The rising stars that were supposed to be the chosen saviors of the Democrat Party, they failed miserably. And they haven't won. Are they out of politics? Probably not. They're still going to kind of linger around because they like the uh, the starlight being on them. They like the spotlight shining on them day in and day out. So they'll announce some type of race. They'll do something. They'll work in the administration somehow. But there's no rising star there. Even Pete Buttigieg, who's now the transportation secretary under the Biden administration, who was supposed to unite the Democrat Party, being part of the LGBTQ crowd, being uh, you know from Chicago, having a lot of power and authority, he was supposed to be the next rising star to replace Joe Biden. And guess what? The first choice in the first program or the first responsibility that he had after the infrastructure plan, he again bombed majorly because he couldn't handle it. Coming from a mayor's position in a city in Illinois to going up and working at the federal level, he was way in over his head and he's botched every program that was given to him. And yet the Democrats have nobody. So who do they have? Who picks up the rain? The Democrats did not invest in the younger generation. The Democrats did not invest in their lower caucuses across at the statewide levels across the nation. And Barack Obama was really the one that started that. He didn't even give it to you know what's about these statewide levels and the Democrat parties at the state levels. He didn't care. He didn't invest in them, which is why Republicans won overwhelmingly with near three quarters of the governorships, three quarters of the state legislatures. They dominated against Barack Obama and the Democrats because he never focused any attention at the local levels. Now they're in a position to where they're wanting to go out. They do not want Republicans to tell them what to do. So Nancy Pelosi, she's out. She's done. She doesn't care anymore. She's made her millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. She's bullied Republicans left and right. She's bullied half the Democrat caucus left and right. And now she's walking away because she don't care anymore. 
And the Democrat Party is there trying to pick up the pieces. They say, according to the Associated Press, where they're looking, they say that they're anticipating someone like Hakeem Jeffries from, what district is he from? He's from the 8th Congressional District from the state of New York to potentially be one of the next big leaders in the Democrat Party. No one's even heard of this guy. I mean, he may be good. He may not be good. I'm assuming the fact that they're picking him with his name, I'm assuming it's because of the minority thing, so they got a little check mark there. I'm sure he's a little bit of a left-winger coming from New York, so a bit of a check mark there. But no one knows this guy. They don't have the name of the Pelosi's or the Chuck Schumer's or the Dick Durbin's. I'm surprised they're not looking at someone like Adam Schiff because he would be somewhat of a name. He would be absolutely terrible, so I hope they don't do that. I'm not giving them any ideas here, but I'm surprised they don't because he's got really one of the biggest names, and the only reason people know him is because of the investigations on Trump and the impeachment that happened twice in the House against Trump because of Adam Schiff and him leading that legal case in the House of Representatives. The Democrats are in shambles, and this is our opportunity as Republicans to pick up that torch and to run them over to ram through our agenda to show their weaknesses to expose the weaknesses in both chambers from the democrat caucus right now and show that they don't have anyone left to pick up that mantle and run and to carry on the agenda they've been fighting oh so hard for in the democrat party because they have no one left to do it it's good news for us applaud yourself on the back pat yourself on the back this victory while it may be small in the house of representatives allowed us a bigger victory was to oust one of the most corrupt politicians in American history to not only give up her leadership positions, but for her to start walking out the door. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a good day for America. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. There is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. And I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to play it one more time. I had to hear it for myself one more time to know that Nancy Pelosi is done and maybe soon we'll never have to hear from her again while she's got her drunken lisp going on. Of, I'm not going to be doing leadership anymore. The Democrats are totally confident about the younger generation. They're going to be great. They're going to do great. I don't know who they are. I don't know their names, but they're going to do great. That's the Democrat Party for you right now. Welcome back into the show. On the other hand, we have seen the announcement as well from Republicans. The Mitch McConnell leadership, the minority leader Mitch McConnell, won with overwhelming support in the caucus for the Republicans in the Senate side, which is honestly kind of pathetic. I mean, when are we going to start challenging and questioning, hey, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't elect the same leaders like the, Repu or like the Democrats over and over and over again. Maybe we should do something a little bit different. We should try things just a little bit different. 
Andy, he knows the system too well. Good. It's time for a Donald Trump in the Senate to just overturn the tables and just say to hell with the system and to hell with the process. We're doing something different here. Maybe that's what we should try. I don't know. Just me, though. On the House side, it sounds like Kevin McCarthy will become Speaker of the House. That's the name that all everybody's talking about. And during the press conference today with the Republican caucus, they have essentially named him Speaker of the House and how Kevin McCarthy's got big plans for the caucus. I'm proud to announce the era of one-party Democrat rule in Washington is over. Washington now has a check and balance. The American people have a say in their government. And this new Republican leadership team is ready to get to work to put America back on the right track. It was our commitment to America that we would create an economy that is strong, a nation that is safe, a future that is built on freedom, and a government that is accountable. And that's exactly what we'll do. I hope so. I hope that's exactly what he's going to do. It is going to be a hard-fought battle, and just to be realistic here, you're not going to be able to make a lot of that happen right now. All you're going to be able to do is really stop some of what Democrats, and I say some, again, because there are going to be some Republicans that are going to jump on the other side of the aisle, but you will stop some of the Democrat agenda with having some transparency and some checks and balance with Republicans owning one chamber of Congress, one chamber of one branch of government, that is not going to promote anything or push anything moving in the right direction, but we can at least slow down the insanity. He did talk about a little bit of unity within the Republican Party and how necessary it's going to be. We know our job will not be easy. We know the task. We've got a close majority. We're going to have to work together. And we want to work with anyone that wants to make America stronger. We want to work with anybody on both sides of the aisle if they want to make America energy independent give their parents a say in their kids' education. They don't. Or secure our borders. They don't. Or stop defunding the police. They don't. We know there's challenges in this nation around the world. We're listening to the American public. But we are prepared to lead, regardless of the size of the majority. One thing I've always learned, they don't hand gavels out in small, medium, and large. You get the right size gavel, and we will use it. I don't know exactly what that reference is supposed to mean. That honestly makes me a little bit concerned, does it not? We're going to work with both sides of the aisle to make sure that you don't want to like have open borders. They do want open borders. They want an economy out of control. They want us to be energy dependent, not energy independent. They want the open borders. They want the insanity left-wing socialism. They're not going to work with you. And the fact that you're opening up that door, that's cool. That's a good soundbite right there. Realistically, though, that makes me a bit concerned because that means that he's open for negotiation from the other side and negotiation and compromise in today's times, as you know, means Democrats get what they want and Republicans just roll over. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today like we do every single day here on the show. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. We are on multiple radio stations right now. Always love having you with us as we talk about the transition going on in Washington, D.C. Nancy Pelosi. It feels so good to hear that, doesn't it? It feels so good. Can I play it one more time, please? Just one one more time. One more time. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election 
to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. Oh, man. Man, that feels just a little bit good. Just a little bit. Then we have on the House side, uh, or the Republican side of the House representatives, Kevin McCarthy, who is officially going to be our Speaker of the House now with the Republican majority. A slim Republican majority, but Republican majority nonetheless. Is he the right leader that we need? As he says, I'm willing to work with everybody as long as we promote this agenda, which is cool. That's a great agenda, but we're not going to be able to get a whole lot of it done with the slim majority we have and only controlling one chamber of one branch of government. Where do we go from here? Because the battle goes beyond just the political party lines. The battle goes beyond what we hear on the mainstream media or Washington, D.C. or elected officials. The battle goes beyond that. Where do we get back to our normalcy? How do we get back to common sense, as Donald Trump said during his announcement just a few days ago? How do we get back to decency in this nation? Excited to talk about that with our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? Happy to have on the program with us today. He is the author of the book, Rediscovering the American Covenant Roadmap to Restore America. Excited to have on the program, Mr. Mark Burrell. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy. Greetings to you and your listeners. Yeah, it is great to have you on the show with us today. Uh, Here's the big question is we always talk about the growth of government. We talk about the dependency of government. We talk about how we've evolved or devolved, depending on how we want to look at it, compared to when we first started this nation. Is the country too far gone now, or is there a way to salvage what the intention of this country was all the way back when? Well, I don't believe the country is too far gone. And I always default back to, with God, all things are possible. I mean, he can take nothing and turning it into something. Uh, so I, I always rest on that. But I don't think we are beyond the point of no return. But we do have to get back to our founding principles, which is what my new book, Rediscovering the American Covenant, is all about. I love it. Talk about some of those uh, those platforms, that covenant. What is the founding principles that we have lost in this nation that we need to work towards again? So what I do in the book is I'm focusing not on the Constitution, which really has our operating principles. Instead, I'm focusing on the Declaration of Independence that captures our founding principles. Mm. A lot of people look at the Declaration like it was, you know, simply a newsflash telling the king to uh, pound sand, Uh, but that's not what it was. The Declaration was an expression of what the founders believed was the purpose of civil government to defend our God-given inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's actually these principles that define the soul of America. How much are you hearing that now, Andy? People are, the Democrats are hearkening back to, this is a battle over the soul of America. And I think they're right when they say that. But the soul of America is captured in the Declaration of Independence. And it's principles like a community or a nation is established through a mutual covenant, through the consent, the mutual consent of the people that there's a divine law that applies to all individuals and nations and is the standard for lawmaking, that God provides individual rights, those kinds of things. I actually list these out in my book, Mm. trying to make it crystal clear what these founding principles are. I love it. I always talk about on the show about the three pillars of conservatism, which really branch off of the Declaration, that branch off the Constitution, but the three pillars of conservatism, that regardless of how we make a, a, a an official statement on particular issues and as technology grows and as the issues in uh, the current events change day in and day out throughout the ages, but the three pillars of conservatism as we stand on them, which is life, 
the, the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right of private property. As long as we defend those three pillars, that essentially we can hold up the constitutional values. That also bleeds into the religious values as well, I think, that we founded a lot of uh, and based a lot of our principles off of. Is that the way that we need to look at these things? Absolutely. In fact, liberty, we break that down, especially in the context of uh, covid because uh, I had some personal experience with this, uh, you know, where I work, and as you know, many people who worked for a variety of different companies or government-related agencies were told they needed to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so let's, you know, let's look at liberty through the lens of, of the vaccination question. First off, the vaccination was, was tested and approved using uh, aborted fetal cells. And so for people that have, a, you know, a moral dilemma or a moral problem, with abortion, that that is an infringement of your religious liberty. On the civil liberty side, you nailed it when you said that we have a right to our our property. And I think a lot of people still would say that, right? I mean, they still would say, you know, someone shouldn't just take walk up to you and, and steal your car or what have you. Yeah. But how much more important is it to have control over your own physical body? And so if you have a concern that, uh, you know, this experimental vaccine, may cause harm to you, then you have every right to say, you know what, I, I don't want to put that in my body. And if you don't have a right to protect your physical body, yeah. then none of the other rights are even relevant. So so that's how you think about liberty through the religious liberty and civil liberty lens, in this case, through the, uh, the lens of the COVID issue. Amen to that. I love it. I mean, the private property issue can be uh, branched out to so many issues, not just like you said, someone stealing your car because that is your property, but it is your body and your autonomy that is your private property as well. At the same time, it's also what you make as we talk about this battle against socialism in the nation, the distribution. If you are a manufacturer and you're making a product, the taxation the uh, consumption from the federal government, the 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 property taxes that we have, I mean, that is a violation over that right to property and private property as well, I believe. And this is a battle that we need to have across the board with those three pillars of holding up individual sovereignty in this nation. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I'd like to build on, of course, life, liberty, and property was the uh, key phrase that was being developed and used up in the founding era. Mm. But they they said the pursuit of happiness in the Declaration of Independence. And a lot of folks believe that really that just meant pursuing whatever made you happy, including material pleasure or, you know, whatever. And that's actually not what they meant. What they meant was pursuing God or not based on your own conscience. So they actually wanted to pretend to protect the ability of every person to go on their own personal faith journey. And that could include rejecting God, or they hoped it would include accepting God and living according to the moral law, which is what makes a good citizen. Yeah. I love it. We're talking with Mark Burrell, the author of the book, Rediscovering the American Covenant, the Roadmap to Restore America. There is a new, I want to say, straw man that the Democrats are attacking now with coming out against those like Congresswoman Lacey, uh, Lauren Boebert and some of the others about Christian nationalism, how, you know, trying to bring the church back into government, trying to have a dominant role of Christian values in the government. Talk about how important Christian values are, not only as an elected official or how we kind of base our moral compass in the country, but is this a concern about a separation of church and state issue like some try to claim? And what is this concern about, quote unquote, Christian nationalism, if you've heard this term? 
Yeah, so let me break that down. Christian nationalism is a term with many meanings, most of them bad. It typically means that you're trying to impose your faith through the state, like the medieval church did. It often carries with it this idea of nativism, like you don't want to have any immigration coming, or white supremacy, or, you know, all these negative things. It does also mean that you love your nation. And by the way, early in in the Bible, right after the flood, in fact, God gives instructions to nations. He wants them to be fruitful, to increase in number, and to scatter. God is into nations. He is a nationalist. He is not a globalist. In fact, the one time when globalism was tried, we had the Tower of Babel, and we know how that turned out. Exactly. So the charge that the modern patriotic movement is Christian nationalism is easily proved false just by looking at the fact that the the uh, the pro-patriot position right now couldn't be more pro-liberty, pro-religious liberty and pro-civil liberty, which tells you right away it can't be Christian nationalism. Yeah. So well, and like you said, I mean, hand, there's a there's a difference, like you said, I mean, there's a difference between saying I am a Christian being elected into an office to promote my values because this is what I believe, as opposed to, like you said, with the other mindset of Christian nationalism of I think everyone needs to be Christian and we're going to persecute those that aren't right. because you're the, uh, the the dark spar uh, the, the dark stain on American history or whatever they want to call it. There's a major difference there. And that's not what anybody that I'm aware of, at least right now, is promoting. Yeah, that's exactly right. And just to build on that, you can be a, a great American and not be a Christian. All you have to do is agree to the founding covenant, which is the Declaration, which means you have to agree that there are rights that are inalienable. You cannot take them away. You cannot take away someone's life. You can't take away their liberty, which means religious liberty and property. And you certainly can't take away their ability to pursue their faith as their conscience dictates. That's what it means to be an American. And there's nothing about that that's, uh, that fits into this label of Christian nationalism. It's really Christian patriotism is the way I would characterize it. Yeah, I love that. Mark, we got to take a hard break here in just a few seconds. Can you stick over one more segment with us? I can. Hey, fantastic. I love it. I love this conversation. I want to continue it on when we come back and ask, moving forward, how do we bring these values back? How do we fight off this ever-expanding federal government and the taking away of these three pillars, taking away of the declaration rights that we fought so hard to have and preserve in this nation? We'll do it when we come back. Here it is, the book, Rediscovering the American Covenant, Roadmap to Restore America. We'll continue this conversation with Mark Burrell when we come back right around the corner as we go through our pre-Friday celebration. Big stuff as we try to figure out the problems of the world right here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for the pre-Friday celebration. We are talking how to get our country back on track. We have the transition of power in Washington, D.C. right now. We played some of the clips from Nancy Pelosi. Have the transition to Kevin McCarthy. Don't know how that one's going to play out. And 
Can we see some strength come out of the Republican Party? That's going to be the interesting one. But it goes a lot deeper than that, as we've talked with Mark Burrell here, author of the book Rediscovering the American Covenant, Roadmap to Restore America, Faith, and Bringing Back Our Original Principles here in the nation. Mark, so I've read this, and I love reading this poll over and over, and it's been a few years now. I need to get an updated one. However, it showed in a study just a couple of years ago that as government grows in size, those that believe in a higher power or have some type of religious faith begin to dwindle because we get in this mindset in society, which now it's becoming exponential and it's getting a bit concerning, but it grows in size, understanding that we start looking towards the government to solve our issues as opposed to a higher power or finding that higher power within us to be able to do it ourselves. But we start looking towards the government. Every time there's a mass, uh, mass shooting, it's government, you need to do something. If there's economic turmoil, government, you need to do something. We always end up turning towards the government to solve our issues. And as that government grows and new bureaucratic agencies and new departments and new leaders and new government programs and socialized programs or welfare, whatever it is, we end up seeing a less and less individuals believing in that higher power because the government is now the end to our answers. Is that what you've seen as well on your end? That is clearly the pattern. Uh, most people want to be taken care of versus solve problems. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of folks that act like they care and want to solve problems, claiming that they will. And, of course, they dip into the Treasury, pass a bill that's got 3% of funds that actually go towards the problem and it's probably incorrect, the, their solution, and then the rest of it goes to other programs. So it's it's a shame. But I, I actually think, Andy, one of the root causes of this phenomena is that the progressives have done a great job of hiding the Christian faith. They have been saying separation of church and state, which is nowhere in the founding documents, by the way. We could go spend a whole hour on that. But um, what they've done is they have concealed the moral law, which is the law of nature and of nature's gods in the first paragraph of the Declaration. And what the founders were saying there is, Listen, there is a divine law that permeates the universe, and we are about to uh, explain why we're separating, and it's based on that moral law. Everything is based on the moral law. This is one of my big conclusions after studying this for so long. And so what they were able to do is remove copies of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, from the public square. Just 50 years ago, or even maybe even more recent. The Ten Commandments were everywhere. I mean, they were in every yeah. schoolhouse and, and courtroom and in front of courtroom buildings, and that sets the stage. When you remove that, you are now you know, able to be deceived, and when someone comes in and swoops in and says, let me help you, I feel your pain, right? Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> I feel your pain. Let me take care of this for you. Yeah. People fall into that. They do. It is sad. We got just uh, about a minute, minute and a half left here before we have to kind of wrap up. But your thoughts and give us a little tease. And obviously it's in the book here. But what can we do? What should we work on? What do we have to focus on to begin bringing some of this back into the country and into society? The first thing folks need to do is get educated. And there's so much rich information, rich history. If you're a Christian, let me tell you, the theology behind the American founding that went into the Declaration of Independence is amazing. And it will advance your faith. It, it took my faith to a whole new level, and I thought it was just going to be a side issue. But what I would end with is, in how do we solve this problem? And if you look in the Bible, you actually see examples in the Old Testament of how God restores wayward nations. The, is, the nation of Israel is 
many people know, had a lot of bad kings. They had a couple good ones, though, Josiah and Nehemiah. And they both did one thing. They read the covenant aloud to the people. The people recommitted, and God healed their land and blessed that, that reign. And I know it sounds crazy, Andy, but as I read the Bible and I ask, what's it going to take for God to engage? And I think most of us would agree that we need divine intervention at this point. That is the biblical template. So that's what I'm hoping to create with this book, is a national conversation about what it would take to really talk about the true soul of America, our declaration, and recommitting to it as a nation. I love it. It's having that conversation. It is bringing it back into the forefront, having the conversation at the dinner table with the kids, starting off with the young generation and recommitting to that covenant. It is the book, Rediscovering the American Covenant. Find it online, defendamericanliberty.com. Mark, it's great to talk to you, my friend. I love the conversation. we got to do it again soon. Would love to. Thanks, Andy. Hey, appreciate it very much. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a bit. We're back at it one more day tomorrow for a Friday going into the weekend. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.